Good morning, class. Good morning, Brother Keith. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. You know, the scripture says in, in Peter that as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The scripture differentiates between the milk of the word and the meat of the word, if you will, and uh, how that babies are not able to eat meat. They're not able to eat steak. They can only handle milk. But after a while, uh, you know, you should grow. You should develop and be able to take solid food and and stronger and stronger things. Well, he's saying that that's exactly how it is spiritually. When you're born again, you're born again a spiritual baby, and you're a spiritual infant. And here's the thing, uh, you don't grow and develop simply by passage of time. And that's why it's confusing to some people. You can have somebody 70 years old, got born again when they were 20, and still a baby still an absolute spiritual baby because of a couple of things. Sometimes they've never been fed. And here's, here's something that can be confusing. You can go to church for years and not be fed. Each man says, well, I heard a lot of messages. Yeah, but was it the Word? See, that's the thing. Because the only thing that's going to feed your spirit, now, it may tickle your intellect. It may challenge your curiosity. It may do a number of things. That doesn't mean it fed your spirit. There's only one thing that feeds your spirit. It's not the words that men and women come up with. It's God's words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, the words I speak to you. Well, first of all, he said, the flesh profits nothing, but the words I speak to you, they are spirit. And they are life. Spirit beings need spirit food. Not natural food, spirit food. And what's, what feeds our spirit is what Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And that's why we pray in the beginning of these classes. We pray before we ever start preparing for it. We're asking the Lord uh, we, you don't just want to hear me. I, just, I don't just want to hear you. We don't want to hear just men's words and thoughts. We want His thoughts, Amen. His words, by His Spirit, by His anointing. That will cause you to begin to, to blossom and grow and develop on the inside. And so that you don't stay a baby your whole life. You grow up. You begin to develop and you begin to get stronger. So does that excite you, stir you up yes. at all? So Father, all of us do. We approach to you 
we seek your face, we, we, we turn and, and incline our ear to hear what you're saying, your spirit, your things. Speak to us, minister to us of your holy, quickening, life-giving, healing words. And we'll receive them, and as you show us how, be doers of them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In our scripture in Hebrews 3, if you'd look there again, we've been talking about overcoming unbelief. And in Hebrews 3 and 7, he said, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Everybody said out loud again, harden not your heart. Yes, harden not your heart. And he says, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, I was grieved with that generation. I said, they always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. Take heed, brethren, verse 12, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He keeps saying, they, they hardened themselves. And we mentioned this before that uh, all of us, when you realize you've made a mistake, you realize you've failed, you've sinned, you messed up, you have a choice to make then. When, when you realize it, you'll either humble yourself and admit it and be willing to repent or if you're not willing to do that, you'll harden yourself and won't take responsibility. Maybe even blame somebody else and resist. Humble and repent, harden and resist. It's always our choice. Now the big problem with this, if you harden yourself, the Bible says the proud don't get help. They get resisted. And that's why something that was hard now becomes so much worse, so much harder because you have no help. But if you'll humble yourself, God gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His grace includes all of His help, all of His wisdom all of his strength. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Do you want his help? Yes. Just every moment of every day. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Who gets it? Humble. Can you see why he keeps saying, don't harden yourself? Why? Because you won't get the help. You want, and on your own, you're not enough. Mm-hmm. But if you'll humble yourself, that's why he said, he said, take heed, brethren, lest there be an evil heart of unbelief With you, don't let it happen to you. Now go with me over to Numbers, the 16th chapter. This is the 11th event that we've been looking at and studying of the, it's actually some 15 if you look at them all, where they did that. They hardened themselves and would not repent and their unbelief robbed them of the blessings and plan of God. In chapter 16, this 11th event is what we've been calling Korah's rebellion. And in this event, Korah, who was the son of uh, Kohath and Levi, of the Levites that were the helps ministry to the priests, he and Dathan and Abiram and on, uh, they 
took men, they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes in the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, and they gathered themselves uh, together against Moses and against Aaron. So this is a full-blown attempt at overthrowing uh, God's chosen leadership and 250 renowned, uh, well-known leaders throughout the whole community, uh, they mean to put Moses and Aaron out and replace them with their choice. And apparently uh, the plan was Korah, (laughs) the leader of the rebellion. (laughs) But notice the language is, uh, they said in verse 3, these rebels uh, to Moses and Aaron, they said, you take too much on you. Now, what they're saying is, you have appropriated too much for yourself. You've gone too far. And they mean in exalting yourselves, they actually said that, above the rest of us. They're saying, who do you think you are thinking you're, you can tell us what to do? And uh, they said, all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord's among them. Wherefore then do you lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? Have you read this chapter? Have you read any of this? Do you know how this turns out? Not good for Korah. Is that right? And his bunch. They are missing it. They are making... uh, perhaps the biggest mistake of their life right now. And though they don't realize it, they're a day away uh, from them and all their families and everything they have being totally destroyed from off the earth. They're hours away from dying, being judged. And they don't know that. They don't see that. And the reason this is recorded is because it is a picture of unbelief. Evil unbelief that robs of God's blessings. That's what our text that we've been reading about points back to this, among the other 14 events. Unbelief is disrespectful. Hmm? Unbelief doesn't accept God's choice. Unbelief is disobedient, defiant, rebellious. See, this kind of unbelief he's talking about, it's not some innocent thing, bless their heart, they're trying to believe, but just can't quite seem to make it. Uh Uh-uh, no. Nobody had to do this, right? This, they had to have a lot of covert meetings, right? (laughs) To coordinate. See, how many understand, this thing's planned. Right? You got, who talked to 250 different leaders and coordinated this? Who did all this? See, this thing's well planned, and now they're executing it. I want us to camp on this and get revelation on this today. Unbelief is disrespectful. Say it out loud with me. Unbelief. Unbelief. Is disrespectful. disrespectful. 
Now, by contrast, what could you say about faith? Faith values the things of God. Is that right? Faith reverences God's things, sees them as holy and special. And if God chose Moses and anointed him and chose Aaron and anointed him as the high priest, faith is going to respect that. Right? Faith is going to say, hold on now. You know, this ain't no democracy. (laughs) See, people don't like that. It wasn't. It was a theocracy. Right? God in control. Not man in control. But see, they didn't want, they wanted to be in control. They didn't like God's choice. And you'll find, we we saw this in Acts 7, uh, several classes back, how that uh, Stephen, anointed by the Spirit, he kept pointing out that they had rejected God's choice. And how that historically, mankind has rejected God's choice. We read in Psalm 106, it said they envied Moses. And they envied uh, Aaron, who was called holy. He was God's holy high priest. They envied them, and they pushed them away, and they said, no, we've got to get new leadership that can lead and take us back to bondage, back to Egypt. And they knew they'd never be able to convince Moses and Aaron to do that. Right? They're not going to lead them back to bondage, contrary to the plan of God. So they knew they're not going to do it, so they got to replace them. And so they set out to do that. I want you to say it out, uh, say it out loud another time. Unbelief. Unbelief. Is disrespectful. Disrespectful. Skip on down a little bit further. Verse 12, well, verse 11, Moses said, This company is gathered together against the Lord. He said, It's not just against us. He said, What is Aaron that you're murmuring against him? What you got against Aaron? And he said, And so Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram. Now, Korah was apparently the leader of this. But he had roped Dathan and Abiram into this, and now they're full into it too. And Moses is a man of God. There's no question about that. I mean, he hung out so close personally with God on the mountain that was on fire that when he came down, his face was glowing like a light bulb. Now, you know, how do you not see these things? How do you not realize that, that Moses and Aaron are special. Who called them? God called them. Who put them in charge? God put them in charge. That's the answer to the statements they were making. And so he calls and to Dathan and Abiram. He says, uh, um, basically, you know, come, come see me. And they said, we will not come up. What is that, class? Help me out. Disrespectful. I mean, this is... This is gross disrespect. And again, how close are these guys to dying? Huh? They are hours away. Not just them, their whole families. Everything they got, everybody around them are close to being wiped off the planet. And you can see Moses 
is giving them an opportunity. He's saying, you know, and sometimes you got to get people away from their ungodly influence. Right? He didn't call Korah. He called Dathan and Abiram. Y'all come, just you two come see me. Let's talk. And after everything God had done with Moses to get them out of Egypt, all the signs, all the wonders, the splitting of the Red Sea, the manna out of the sky, the water out of the rock, you, I mean, on and on and on, just out of simple respect for who God used in your life up to this point, can't you work into your schedule? Is that right? To at least go, he didn't say you have to agree with everything I got to say. Just come see me. And they said, we will not. We're not coming. Is it a small thing, they said, that you brought us up out of the land that flows with milk and honey? They're calling Egypt the land that flowed with milk and honey. And you brought us up here to kill us in the wilderness. Is that a lie? That's an absolute lie. He did not bring them up to kill them in the wilderness. In fact, none of this is Moses' idea. He tried to talk God out of sending him. Is that right? At the burning bush. None of this was Moses' ambition to be prince over the Israelites. None of it was his plan or his idea. In fact, we're told in Numbers 12, 3, he was the humblest man on the planet. Meekest man on earth. And he says, come see me, men. This is their elder. This is their man of God. How many think, regardless of how upset you are, or how wrong you think they are, should you show up? Should you show up? And at least listen. Not because trying to make a big deal out of flesh, but making a big deal out of God's choice. Is that right? If God chose him, who is going up in the glory and fire and spending a, a month and a half one-on-one with God? Who? Ain't nobody else but Moses. Is that right? Who had the answer? Who stood face to face with Pharaoh and did that showdown through all those miracles? Who, who, who? Just by right of fact of what God has done in the past should merit some respect. Is that right? Some measure of respect and honor. And they said, uh, you, you brought us up here to kill us in the wilderness. So far from the truth. And except you're going to make yourself a prince over us? You're trying to lord it over us? And you've not brought us into the land that flows with milk and honey. You've not given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? Accusing them of some ulterior dark motive of hurting them or blinding them or killing them or something. They said, we will not come up. We will not come up. When judgment fell and the earthquake happened and the fire blasted the 250, it was over in a flash. The Lord told the high priest, go gather those censers. The fire was still burning. And he said, of these sinners against their own soul." What's that saying? They did it to themselves. 
They brought it on themselves. They did it to themselves. Did they have opportunities, even extra opportunity? Did Moses have to extend the olive branch to them? Did he have to say, come? You reckon he felt like it? Uh-uh. And you can see here, when they, when they gave him this response, verse 15, Moses was very wroth. Why? This is utter disrespect. And so he, tells, he says to the Lord, don't respect their offering. Why would he have a right to say that? Because they didn't respect God. Don't you remember the scripture says, those that honor me, what? I will honor. But those that despise me will be lightly esteemed. Nothing is more fair than you being treated the way you treat him. Right? Nothing's more fair. How, what's a more fair way to do it? No. And that's what, that's what Moses is saying. Um, you know, the disrespect. Because they didn't just disrespect Moses. They disrespected God himself. And so he said, don't respect their offering when they come bring it. He said, I haven't taken anything from them. I haven't hurt them in any way. And, and they, they talk like this. They act like this. This is something I feel the church has not said enough about. And that is respect for the things of God. Respect for the people of God. For the ministry. You know what they're saying here is that back over in verse 3. They said you take too much on you. Because all the congregation is holy. All of us. What they're trying to say is we're all equal. And when, and you can see this because Moses fell on his face. And I know he's seeking God. I know he knows they're in danger of being judged. They're in danger of the protection and help of God being removed from them. And, and then he gets up and this is what the Lord has told him to say. All right. Okay. Everybody's holy. Well, go get you a censor too then. Like the, only the high priest is supposed to handle. Go get you one. And all of you come out and bring your, the censer was a pan, a fire pan. Sometimes the modern ones are shaped like lanterns almost. You put fire in them and then you would put the incense on top of the coals or the fire and it would emit the smoke and the fragrance. But the Lord had been so specific with them that the, the, the incense was made in a very specific only way and the only people that could handle it and do it were the priests, the sons of Aaron, Aaron and his sons, only ones, not the Levites, not just anybody could do it. And what they're saying when they're saying, look, this stuff about Moses being special, Aaron being special, we don't go for all that. All of us are special. All of us are holy. And he says, okay, all right. You think anybody can be leader. You think anybody can be high priest. So go ahead, get you a censer and come out tomorrow and you can, you can hold up your censer before the Lord and the Lord's going to show who he has selected and who is holy to them. And they said, fine, that's what we'll do. How do you get so stupid? 
Huh? How, how can you not see this is not going to turn out well? Huh? They've already seen this. Not too many chapters back. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, offered incense and fire that God didn't tell them to do, and fire blasted out and disintegrated them and their priests because of not showing respect. Come on, are you listening? Not showing respect. And there were times with the Ark of the Covenant later where one, one group decided to just open it up, look inside, and oh man, judgment fell. People died in every direction. No respect, no respect. Now thankfully, we're living in an age of grace. Mercy. Hallelujah. Jesus has paid for our stupidity and mistakes. But does that mean we no longer should show respect? No. We must learn and grow and show respect. Somebody say respect. 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 Go to Luke, if you would. And uh, I had asked the Lord about examples of, of respect. And the Lord quickened this to me in Luke 23. That I, I hadn't seen this before like this. When Jesus was hung on the cross... One of the individuals, Luke 23, 39, two thieves, you know, were crucified with him. And one of them, verse 39, railed against Jesus and said, If you be the Christ, save yourself and us. Is that respect? That's not respect. That's the same kind of language the enemy used when he was tempting him. You remember that in the wilderness? If you be the Christ. There's no faith in that. There's no respect in that. The Lord didn't even answer him. The other one said, do, do you not fear God? Did you hear that phrase? Fear, what, what's the fear of God? That include, we call that respect, reverence, great reverence and respect. Do you not fear God seeing you're in the same condemnation? And we justly, we're receiving what we deserve. This man's done nothing amiss. And he turns and says to Jesus, Lord, Notice how he starts it out. Somebody say respect, respect. Lord, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Is that respect? Yes. Is that faith? This thief is talking about the future coming kingdom of God as though it's sure it's happening. Is that right? Yes. And he's calling the master Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody say respect, respect, respect. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord spoke up. I mean, even in his pain and agony, he responds to this respect. Oh, come on. Can you see that? And he says, verily, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say respect and faith. Faith and respect, you cannot separate them. They are eternally connected. Said out loud, I choose to show respect, reverence, and the fear of God. I choose to show respect to the people of God and all his things. So help me, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Our time's up again today. 
Come back next time. There's so much more to see here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.